Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 122. Today, we are going to be diving into the Nexium cult and Keith Raniere. And if you've never heard of this, uh, it's going to be pretty shocking to you. It's, it's crazy. It's some mind-blowing stuff that this actually exists. It's been very highly requested, and we're both really interested in cults and people like Keith. And, yeah, people that yeah. just think they're you know above everybody else yeah. or that they've been you know granted these special powers and abilities so therefore that gives them the right and ability to control others mm-hmm. and and really what he creates is a sex slavery cult so last week we tried something new for the show we moved our intro topics to the end to try to appeal to everybody because we had gotten a lot of comments saying just over the years that we've done the show saying that they would prefer the topics be at the end or that we just don't have them because they want to get into the main topic. You know, someone's on YouTube, they see a video about a certain case, they click on it and they want to know about that case and we, we do intro topics. So we thought that was the majority of you that felt that way. Um, we were clearly wrong because there was a lot of feedback from you guys saying that you like the intro topics in the beginning, that it's a good warm up for the show, that it felt weird having them at the end. And we also felt weird about it yeah it really threw us off yeah. i feel like because you know by the end i mean covering these topics and the topics that we do cover are very taxing mm-hmm. and just mentally Draining. by the end of it yeah. we're like so mentally exhausted by talking about these things and so to then have to go mm-hmm. and do like you know talk about the news this week and stuff is just like we're a little burnt out by the end totally. so I, I think it just works better and to be fair we do put timestamps in mm-hmm. the description and you know we'll try to make it easier to find for those that are maybe listening yeah we're so gonna that you can that. skip ahead because we do try to put that in there for you guys that do want to just get straight to the main topic and you know that way you know what timestamp you need to go to in order to get right into it if that's what you want to do so and we really like it the way that it was too. Uh, it does feel like a warm up for us to kind of get going. It felt weird just jumping right mm-hmm. into the main topic. I mean, we're so used to doing it this way that this is yeah. just this Why is how we do things. And if you're used to our show, this is clearly how you like it as well. Because we weren't expecting so many people to not be happy with that change. So we're switching it back. Intro topics will now be in the intro again. <laughs> so going into our first intro topic for today, it sounds like TikTok is on its way out possibly which is hilarious because you're its biggest fan yes okay seriously i hear TikTok i'm gonna get a lot of hate for that all day oh you are yeah yeah oh yeah a lot of people aren't gonna like it because oh, they know well, it's some bullshit and they know i should know better and i probably shouldn't have this app but tiktok's fucking uh, fun everyone okay? loves tiktok i mean it's a lot, you're not the only one it's addicting i get a lot of plant tips a lot of cooking tips a lot of anxiety right. tips i like that app well, and to be fair, the reason why TikTok might be going away isn't because the app is bad. Like the mm-hmm. content of the app is bad. Right. It's there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of it's funny all stuff the on stuff there. Behind the scenes. Exactly. It's the actual company that owns TikTok, which is a Chinese company called ByteDance. Now, what's interesting is that as TikTok has, you know, been out there and people have been downloading it, there's been a lot of research being done by you know, American hackers and other types of uh, cybersecurity people that are looking into this app's framework and and basically reverse engineering the app to take a look at sort of the behind the scenes of what's happening, you know, once you install the app on your Mm -hmm. phone and you give it all these permissions in order to use your camera, your microphone Mm -hmm. to access the, the hard drive of your phone. And what people have found who have reverse engineered this app is that it is collecting far more data 
than any other social media app that they have reverse engineered, which is a little bit scary because it's oh. already a little bit, you know, weird to think about how much Facebook knows about you yeah. or some of the, like Instagram, some of the other social media apps. And we're all kind of just okay with it because we all use it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, kind of well, like what you give them in order to get, use their free apps. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, what's the big deal? It's just like, everybody's using it. What, mm-hmm. what could possibly be, you know, so bad about these apps? Well, the difference with TikTok is the fact that we don't know what's being done with the data that TikTok is collecting. And we do know for certain that it is a piece of spyware, meaning that it is collecting information at all times all around you using your phone's functionalities in order to do so. And then it's sending that data off to somewhere unknown. And from what people have, who have researched this have said is that it's going back to the Chinese government. Mm. And this has been even vocalized in you know politics. Like most mm-hmm. recently, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said, U.S. authorities are considering a ban on TikTok because he said, quote, with respect to Chinese apps on people's cell phones, I can assure you the United States will get this one right, too. I don't want to get out in front of the presidents, but it's something we're going to look at. And he also went on to say that if you should download the app, if you want your private information to be in the hands of the Chinese Communist Party, this is how it's being done. Now, on the flip side, TikTok is saying that the app that we're all downloading is run by an American CEO and that it's oh. all contained within the U S and that it's, mm. they're denying that it is being used as, you know, a way to spy on Americans and, and, and all that. But at the end of the day, who are you going to listen to the Chinese owned app, you know, company heads, or are you going to listen to our intelligence services who are literally telling us to delete this off your phones because it is spyware. So that's really where well, you have to make though, a decision. Like, who can you trust? You know, they're all corrupt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't care that you're being, you know, your data could potentially be in the hands of, you know, the Chinese government, then I guess you really have nothing to worry about. So I don't I know. I mean, I'm going to still be on the app until they delete that shit off my phone. <laughs> and as most people will do. I mean, a lot of people have literally built careers off of TikTok. Yeah. And that is one thing I wanted to say is I do feel bad for people that have, you know, not the dancers and stuff, whatever. I'm sure they'll bounce back. <laughs> I'm sure they'll, they'll come away from this. Okay. But yeah. I'm talking about my friend, Sarah Turney. A lot of you guys know her from the Alyssa Turney case. She's Alyssa Turney's sister, and she's been gaining a ton of traction on TikTok. Like, wow, her Voices for Justice podcast really boomed in the charts because of TikTok. She's gotten tons of hits, tons of awareness. I've been tagged a bunch of times to cover the case, even though I already have, but tons of new users on TikTok. I mean, it's kind of sucks in that way because a lot of people are building really strong audiences and putting a lot of time in. And as a creator, that sucks. So I, I get it. Like if I, if YouTube was being deleted or possibly banned, I'd be freaking out right now. You know, that that's that does suck. Yeah. So I guess I will have to see. I mean, they're saying mm-hmm. there's a potential that it could come from the top. Like the president himself could, I guess, issue an executive order to ban U.S. citizens from using TikTok. Dude, I Gen Z is going to come for his ass. <laughs> Yeah. If this year hasn't been bad enough already, yeah, to go and ban people from using a social media platform is probably not going to go over well. And there are millions and millions and millions of users on TikTok. Yeah. So it's like at the end of the day, it's just really hard to say. I mean, I guess if if you are aware of the, you know, potential things that could happen, then and you're still okay with it, I guess, keep using the app. But if you are concerned about your privacy and data, then, yeah, probably should delete that off your phone. Well, 
Word to the wise, still not going to do it. Kendall says, follow me on TikTok. (laughs) I love TikTok. What am I going to do when I'm like anxious and need a distraction? Go to Bite. That's the new alternative. I've been on Bite. It sucks. Well, it's because nobody's on Bite yet, but that's the the app being put. It's made by the creators of Vine, I believe. Oh, shit. So Bite could be the new TikTok. So get on that shit before I believe it when I see it. I got on there. It's pretty lame. Yeah, but you were a total hater of TikTok for a long time. I was. Well, back when it was singing and dancing only. Now it's funny and useful. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I learn things from TikTok. TikTok is educational. It is. Okay. (laughs) And it helps spread awareness about true crime cases too. So hate all you want. Hate all you want. Okay. It's probably a bad app. And I agree. (laughs) We should have an alternative. I'm just saying there's not one right now. And that sucks. And so in the meantime, I'm going to use TikTok. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway. we got our answer here. I deleted it off my phone. So if you guys want to know, I deleted it off oh, my channel. Well, too Kendall bad because I guess it. it collects my closest friend's data too. So you're fucked. Ah! <laughs> well, I'm going to keep your phone away from me and away from our bedroom and everywhere else. I don't think they mean luck. physical location. I think yeah, they mean who they talk to the most. Right. Right. Pull it through the phone. That's true. I guess it's that. Well, whatever. If they can pull our texts, whatever. I don't care. As long as our phones aren't close together, uh, they won't steal our info. Thank God. <laughs> Anyways, All right, well, let's talk about this bitch. Yes, let's talk about Ghislaine Maxwell. Now, Ghislaine Maxwell, if you know anything about her or have heard of her, she is obviously closely associated with the now deceased Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a British woman who was basically Jeffrey Epstein's right-hand woman. Uh, she was his girlfriend at one point uh, in time. They were definitely, you know, having a relationship at some points, but basically she was arrested this past week on July 2nd, 2020. She was arrested by the FBI in Bradford, New Hampshire, and she was charged with six federal crimes, including enticement of minors, sex trafficking and perjury. And if convicted, she could face up to 35 years in prison. So Good. these are very, very serious crimes because as we all know, Jeffrey Epstein was involved in, t- in some really mm-hmm. sick shit and mm-hmm. really, you know, heinous crimes. So, we should do a podcast on him soon because a ton of information has come out recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's stuff coming out all the time with episode. him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she, she basically went out, scouted out, you know, mm-hmm. women that, were potentials to be a part of their sex trafficking ring. She's kind of like brought them in. Allison Mack, who will be yeah. talking about more today. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely that type of role. Oftentimes in human trafficking, women are used because they come across as more trustworthy and safe. You know, like you could, it's just easier for them to lure other women mm-hmm. or even children um, if it's a woman doing it, like yeah. oftentimes you'll hear stories. I've, I know we've talked a lot about just this happening at Walmarts and big box stores. And it's normally women that go up to other women and try right. to traffic them with some type of Bible group or something like that. Yeah. Well, and like with this case, what she would do, because she's this British woman, she's got some, you know, when you meet her or listen to her talk, I mean, she has Ted talks out there. That's, yeah. that's what's crazy is she has a lot of public presence out there. And so the way that she kind of carries herself is very like, I guess classy is the right word. Smart. I mean, she is smart. Uh, if you look at her background, she has multiple degrees from Oxford university. So she's kind of the perfect person to put out there to attract women in. And essentially she'd go up to them and, and, you know, find women that wouldn't be missed, I guess is the best Mm -hmm. way that you could say it and offer them a really lucrative job. 
well, what she would do is she would go up to women who, you know, oftentimes were in poverty or in bad situations mm-hmm. and say, Hey, Desperate. I got this really great job opportunity for yeah. you. If you come with me mm-hmm. and you know, when you're a woman and you meet somebody like her, you're like, okay, like you're not thinking about where that's going to lead. She could possibly want from you. Right. Or be involved in, Mm -hmm. or, you know, all of that. So that's, that's exactly what she would do. So right now, Jelaine is actually in jail waiting to see if she's going to be granted bail or not. And, and, and honestly, I don't see them giving her Mm -hmm. this opportunity or if they do, it's going to be some ridiculous amount that even she can't, can't pay. Because uh, if not, someone's gonna co- go just like kill her if she gets out on bail. Yeah, huge flight risk yeah. too. Like, yeah, and they don't want true. her to get away. I that mean, too. if the FBI is coming after you, they're definitely not gonna let you just mm-hmm. have an opportunity to get out. So, this uh, her bail hearing takes place on Tuesday, July fourteenth. So we'll know more then. But as of right now, uh, there's a lot of things that are sort of coming out after she's been arrested mm-hmm. that she has a lot of information. I believe she has recorded, I don't know if it's audio or or video or whatever it is, some type of recordings that could put a lot of really big names mm. in, in hot water. So, well, hopefully she doesn't, you know, end up killing herself in jail too. She's on suicide watch right now. Rotations. Uh-huh. Mm. Jeffrey Epstein was on because, suicide yeah. watch and look what happened to him, yeah. you know? So that doesn't I'm mean saying. anything. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully, if you know what happened with Jeffrey Epstein was what you know they're reporting that this was a suicide. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they take this more seriously. Obviously, I don't believe that it was suicide. This was no. a hit of some sort. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the entire world wants to know what what's really going on with this because Jeffrey Epstein is obviously high up in whatever his ring was. I mean, who knows who else is out there that's involved in this, but. I mean, obviously, we know that yeah. Bill Clinton's involved, mm-hmm. Prince Andrew, Leslie Wexner. I mean, there's a long list of people. Mm-hmm. Then, obviously, all the people that speculate about the flight logs and all the people on those, on those, you know, how much are they involved in this, or were they just simply on a, a flight with him? These are all questions that we have, and if anybody's got the answers to these questions, it's got to be yeah. her. She seemed to be like his sidekick, kind of. She was. I mean, she was. She she would know probably the inner workings of the entire operation and what Jeffrey Epstein was up to. So did you see the picture that went viral this week? I was tagged in it so many times of John Benet Ramsey, where it looks like yeah. she's mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. I mean, very unlikely that it's her. Right. But still weird. It really, really the picture did look like her. It's it was like a creepy. side view of her face. But yeah. But it's probably just some other random woman. That's yeah. a pretty popular hairstyle, especially for back then. So I don't know. It's weird. It's definitely really, really weird. It is. So with that being said, More let's move weird. into yeah the the conspiracy that's taking the internet by storm today when we're recording this Friday, and that is the Wayfair conspiracy. This is just, I mean, when I started looking into it, I was just like, what in the world is going on? This is just absolutely insane. And again, more stuff will probably like come out or there'll be like, more information going around by the time this episode goes up. This is the first day that this has like really graced the internet. So we don't know that much about it or really what to think. Right. So if you don't haven't heard of this Wayfair conspiracy yet, essentially what it is, is that uh, there was a post, I believe that started on Reddit and then it made its way to Twitter, but essentially somebody figured out that Wayfair had a bunch of storage cabinets 
that were really, really expensive. So they're fourteen, thirteen, twelve thousand dollars at least mm-hmm. for what looks like a pretty standard storage cabinet. Well, and not only that, the also these pillows, these like zodiac pillows. There's been a lot of pictures of those going around as well. So it's the cabinets and the pillows. And there's like a rug. Oh, it's, there is. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's like a lot of items. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of... But the so, main thing is the cabinets. Right. Well, people are looking at these items and they're like, "How? why are these items so expensive for one? But two, the names associated with the items. So mm-hmm. Wayfair has, has been... If you've ever shopped on Wayfair, you know that their naming schemes for things are a little weird. Like they use human names mm-hmm. for all of their different products and collections. And but stuff. I honestly feel like that's standard yeah. like it most is. furniture like ikea does that even clothing yeah clothes yeah exactly like bras yeah yeah totally even so, makeup yeah and that's the thing is like and nobody really thought anything of this until like now it seems like well because of the prices right well they're looking the at the prices for these things and they're saying okay well if we look at the names and we you know search the names we find missing people with the following names of these storage cabinets, which is really weird because some of the cabinets are the exact same and they have different names. Like there's one that's Yartiza and one that's Samia. Yeah. And they're the pictures, according to the pictures are exactly the same yet. Yeah. They're the the same prices are different and there's, you know, they're different names as well. And they're by WFX utility, which it's kind of weird. Yeah, it is very weird. Like it doesn't make any sense at all. So, Somebody along the way connected missing people with these exact names spelled. Again, these are just first names of these missing people. And they essentially made the allegation that Wayfair is somehow either, you know, involved with a sex trafficking ring or is just, you know, fooling all of us by being a furniture company and, you know, as a front and behind the scenes there. But, somehow selling humans like, through their website, which even if they, okay, even if that's what they're doing, like if this is true, why would they put this on their website on their furniture website? Yeah. There's other places. There are places that exist on the internet for people to buy that kind of thing. It's not on Wayfair. It's just kind of weird. And then another thing that's, you know, just questionable in this whole case is one of the names Samia uh, has been, all over. That's probably the one that's reposted the most. And there was a missing girl named Samia, but she just did an Instagram or a Facebook live where, and you have that, right? Can we Mm -hmm. play it? Yeah. Of her being like, this is bullshit. I'm not even missing anymore. Right. Well, people are just going to missingkids.org and typing in the name. Yeah. And there's a missing kid for every name. There's so many missing people. Exactly. Exactly. So wait, can you play that? Who are you? How are you going to post about me being missing? You don't even know me. And then your caption sounds retarded. Would this be true? Would this be something if this was true? Why are you posting people talking about they're missing if you don't even know if they're missing with a cabinet? I don't know. So, yeah. This is weird. It's very weird. And Wayfair had to respond to this because this was getting, has been getting a lot of traction online. And they said, there is, of course, no truth to these claims. The products in question are industrial grade cabinets that are accurately priced, recognizing that the photos and descriptions provided by the supplier did not adequately explain the high price point we have temporarily removed the products from the site to rename them and provide a more in-depth description and photos that accurately depict the product to clarify the price point which okay. also though i'm like what the hell kind of file counter is being sold for thirteen thousand yeah, dollars that is kind of weird those are really so, expensive to be fair 
a lot of people, you know, these pillows and things like that. Obviously, yeah, pillows, some of it there is, was a pillow, literally a throw pillow for $10,000, which I understand, which, and again, there has been a history of Wayfair having fuck ups with their pricing. On yeah. Their and that's what they said it was because was they do on those ones. Wayfair is kind of like a marketplace in a way because they do have all these other little brands, whether or not they're associated with Wayfair. I don't know. I think they own a lot of the brands that post on there, but you know how every piece of furniture mm-hmm. says buy blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. They own a bunch of smaller companies that make furniture. Mm-hmm. So I think the back end of their systems is probably pretty complex and there's probably room for error there because there's so many, so much furniture sold through this website. So are these cabinets actually this expensive or are these price glitches as well? No, they are this expensive. That's how much industrial the grade. Hell? These are made out of probably stainless steel or titanium but or some paying really that much for right. cabinets still. Yeah. And that's, what's weirding everybody out is like, why are, why do you have these, you know, seemingly simple products at price so high, especially for a place like Wayfair, which is usually known as like a place that's get, gives you really affordable deals and stuff like that. It's not like it's a luxury furniture office decor, you know, website. It's pretty but I think they're trying to span the hole from cheap to expensive because like the pillow thing, somebody was like, look at this $9,000 pillow who Mm -hmm. would pay $9,000 for it. Well, when I actually looked at it, it had this specific type of duck feather in it. And when I Googled this type of pillow on another website, it was for nine to 15,000 for a down pillow from rich people. Some people are dumb. I don't care how much money you have. You don't need to spend that much on a pillow. That's just so wasteful and stupid. But, but anyway, people got to have money to spend on that stuff. And people do spend that much. On there it. was a pillow, a Zodiac pillow that is not supposed to be $10,000. It was price glitch. It's supposed to be like 34 or something. And what's weird about it is on the cancer Zodiac pillow, it says one name. What did we just see it? I can't remember what the I name no was. Idea. And then on the Libra Zodiac pillow was a different name, but I feel like, like that's two pretty different normal names. because it's, yeah, it's two different signs. So each pillow, but why wouldn't they call it the cancer pillow? It was like some <laughs> random person's name because they always have like, Names. I don't, I don't know. know if that was glitches or no, like we we've experienced. So we have bought some things from Wayfair and even in the past with like, remember when we bought the kitchen table, how it was like different collections, different names. Like that's yeah. just how their whole, yeah. no, I know, but I the same Wayfair pillow, it was the this. same collection, yeah. same pillow, just different names. Yeah. They do that all the yeah. time. But I could show you 10 pillow? examples. Yes. I could show I you know, 10 guys. examples. Look of at that. it for yourself and let me know if you think it's kind of weird. Cause I, I don't know. I'm not saying it means anything. No, I'm it just is saying, weird. I it's think it's a mistake weird. or something yeah. because why would they name their pillows like this? Yeah. Wayfair just fucking has no clue what they're doing when it comes what. to organizing Wayfair shit. sucks. And they it also does. supply, you know, materials to ice, the detention centers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Which you shouldn't be supporting them anyway. Yeah. Uh, bottom line is fuck Wayfair. <laughs> Don't support them. It'll be interesting to see if any more comes out of this or if they can explain this a little better. Cause I still feel like there's a lot of confusion right now. Yeah. But again, I just want to be very, very clear that, when we're talking about especially a subject as serious as human trafficking and child sex trafficking, please Mm -hmm. be super conscious about what you are sharing with Mm -hmm. other people because this is serious stuff. And there's people that are actually involved in this and actually wrapped up in this that are victims. And it can be more harmful from what we've talked to with Thorne about and things like that. Sharing information Mm -hmm. like this can be even worse you know, you think you're spreading awareness by spreading, trying oh, to solve you know, look at Wayfair, tag mm-hmm. the FBI. Ta- people that do that are not making the situation better. No. There's there's avenues to go about to do this properly so that it can actually be investigated. If there's adequate evidence, people have, have completely thrown yeah. out the window that you have to have solid, concrete evidence. Seriously. Coincidences are bad. not 
solid concrete evidence that can actually be pursued. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we can sit around and be like, this is weird. This is weird. That's weird. And we can contemplate, you know, possible ideas and theories, but we have to make sure that when you're talking about these things, even on Twitter and online that you actually specify that, Hey, this is just my opinion. This is just an idea that there's not, and there's too many people out there that are fucking pushing stuff on the internet as fact. And you know, I have proof because look at this picture where they have like some screenshot from Facebook or or some other unknown source. It's just like what, remember you need to have sources. You need to have evidence. You need to have proof or else your theories are just thoughts. Yeah. That's all they are. Yeah, and it can be extremely damaging mm-hmm. to it can. the actual a good point. things that are happening and the investigations that are mm. happening. Because for all we know, there there could already be an investigation into Wayfair for something serious mm-hmm. like this. And by people just blowing this up all over the internet, you know, with you know, accusing this and that and this person of this and that, you're not you're just making this way worse. And you could be bringing obviously now. I think there's more attention that Wayfair is like, oh, we're getting some, you know, heat for this. We got to fix our shit. If let's say there was something going right. on, right. if there was an investigation, now you're ruining it for mm-hmm. the people who are investigating and exactly. trying to build a case. Yeah, that's true. And when it gets all messed up with rumors, like there's, there's always some truth in these theories and a lot of bullshit, you know, mixed in to kind of all be pushed as right. one truth. And on that point of bullshit, the other little bit of this that I saw that people were doing that makes absolutely no sense is, Apparently, some people figured out that if you put SRC USA into a Russian search engine, okay, for one, it's a Russian search engine, Yandex.com, and you put SRC USA into there, and then you take a Wayfair SKU, like one of their SKU numbers, and put that in there, that the search results you get is children. And and it, it is. That's what happens when you put it in. I tried it myself. But no matter what you put in there you're going to get children. Well, an SRC is an actual Russian modeling agency. If you actually go back and look at it, SRC is obviously going to be the first thing that the search engine looks at, and it's going to automatically refer to a modeling agencies and associated things to that. So just by tacking on the, you know, Wayfair skew on the end of it doesn't mean anything. I mean, and, and people are using that as evidence that look at this, this is evidence that this skew for this pillow is actually a human. And that if you ordered this, the human would show up at your door. It's like, that. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. That's what people are saying. I the, know. No, I know. Some people think they're actually like, shipping the kids in like, the cabinet. The like some people are, don't even understand that it's the cabinet. Okay. <laughs> I know it's so, and I'm just like people fucking crap. think about this for a second. This makes no sense. And plus Fucking Yandex is a Russian search engine. For all we know, there could be a bunch of fucking, you know, Russian people that are doing this on purpose to try to make us believe this theory. I mean, which does happen. There is counterintelligence out there that is literally trying to fool us online. And there's so many people that are falling, falling for all the fucking bullshit Mm. that's literally being made by, you know, enemies of our country, I guess you could say like, it's, and I know it's it, it is crazy. hard nowadays because there is so much information. It's hard to figure out what to believe and what not to believe, but you gotta, you know, at the end of the day, when, when you're questioning something, you got to go back to, like I said, the source, the evidence, the proof. And if you don't have those things, then, then you should not be sharing it yeah. as like, this as is what's fact. actually going on. And mm-hmm. the confidence some people speak with about these things when they really don't know shit and they're just right. at home on Twitter is just ridiculous. Right. And I'm sorry, a government insider will never be a hundred percent reliable source. I just want to put that out there that mm-hmm. any type of insider, no, you yeah. have to question them to some yeah. extent. Anybody that's remaining anonymous, that's providing you all of your information cannot be a trusted source. Be skeptical 
of everything or you will fall for question everything. everything, including things that are, you know, going with your, you know, what you're thinking. Like there's tons of things that we get bombarded with that like, Oh, that fits into my narrative of what I believe about the world. And you know, the, the government and everything like you got it. it. I know it's hard to navigate and it's hard to sift through all the shit that you get thrown at you online, but you've got to take each little bit and really process it, really mm-hmm. look into it, try to see if you can verify it. That's the best thing you can do is look at other mm-hmm. places. Who else is saying this? Is it, and if you and you'll find that most of the times it's coming from one little fucking random place on the internet that just started it because they're looking for or they have a different agenda completely. Or, right. Or they have a different narrative that they're trying to push. And obviously we do believe in conspiracies. We believe in a lot of conspiracies, but we just think it's really important to actually, you know, have evidence to back this stuff up or you'll look stupid. You know, mm-hmm. you want to be taken seriously. Human trafficking is a big problem. There a lot of this stuff is true yeah. that, that does go around and it's important to separate that from things that can't be proven or else we just all get looped into a bunch of crazies that you know right. and i mean aren't at, reliable at, at the end of the day we're all in this to try to find the truth mm-hmm. i mean i think everybody coming at this has sort of the same you know goal here we all want to know about the truth about what's really happening in the world what's really happening to these poor beings, human beings that are being sex trafficked and disappearing. And we know that it exists. And we know, yes, we a hundred percent know it exists. It's a real thing. Jeffrey Epstein, real Mm -hmm. thing, sex trafficker. We've got Keith Raniere, Raniere, who we're talking about sex trafficker. We know there's people out there doing this, but before you go and start, you know, trying to point fingers at everybody solve it yourself and solve it yourself. We have to like, we have to take a look at things under a microscope and really, you know, because you can destroy people's lives. You can, you can accuse people of horrific things with absolutely no evidence that it could be completely wrong. And just that could derail Facebook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So again, I'll get off my soapbox, but I just, yeah. I've felt really passionate about this mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of you out there are, you know, sitting around wondering what Kendall and I think about so many things that happen, you know, on the internet and a lot of these you know, leaks and whatnot. And I just wanted to give you our perspective on it and why we don't just jump on the train no. and start, you know, sharing yeah. this, retweeting that, you know, and that's or, or, something that we, we wanted to do from the beginning is make sure that our show has evidence to back up what we talk about, that we don't push ideas on people and we don't push narratives that cannot be verified. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all we can do at the end of the day. And, and like everybody's entitled to their opinion and what they believe and, that's totally, that's totally up to you. And and we believe that. So, you know, you don't have to take what we say as fact or, you know, our opinion as what goes, but be open to everything, question everything, but also it's healthy to have a little bit of skepticism in there too. Absolutely. But with all that being said, let's go ahead and get into Keith Ranieri. But before we do, we'd like to thank our first sponsors for today. All right. So let's get into talking about Nexium and a little man that I like to call creepy Keith or Keith Rainieri. He's a real weird one. Yeah. I don't know if there's any, you know, there's that many stories out there as crazy as Nexium mm-hmm. and it's secret sex cult known as DOS or D O S. And it's crazy that this, this thing branded itself as a self help group. Yeah. And basically an MLM. It kind of marketed to people like, you will become like a Gandhi or a um, 
enlightened individual. Yeah. Like an Einstein, you'll be like a genius and be able to really impact the world and that right. you're kind of stuck in worldly bullshit and that they can help kind of clear that for you and change your life. And yeah, it is a MLM multi-level marketing company. Yeah. Um, in a way. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with Nexium is the fact that Keith is the one that holds all the answers, all of the keys to becoming, you know, this most evolved mm-hmm. version of yourself. It sounds a lot like Scientology. And I mean, there will we'll, mm-hmm. we'll draw a lot of different, you know, different similarities there as far as like Elron Hubbard. And obviously it's, it's very different at the same time, but you know, this idea that I am this person who is beyond anything that you guys are, but if you follow me, I will give you the tools mm. and the knowledge in order to become this genius that I am, this spiritually enlightened being. And and that's exactly what Keith Rainier's follower said about him is that he's one of the most ethical people alive, which I'm like blown yeah. away by that because <laughs> as you'll see, it's clearly not him at all, but that he was inspirational and he had all these teachings and you know, he took a lot of already successful people and would take them to the next level, you Mm -hmm. know, to this place that they had never been and, and just become superhumans in a lot of way and elevate everything. But not only that, he he makes a lot of claims about how he can even heal medical issues as well, like diabetes and scoliosis. And there's a couple others, but let's go ahead and talk about Keith Ranieri a little bit more. We have to go back to the very beginning because his his whole life story is just just interesting and and wild at the same time. So Keith Ranieri was born in New York on August 26, 1960, and his father, James, was in advertising, and his mother, Vera, was a ballroom dancing instructor who may have been an alcoholic. His parents separated when he was eight years old, and when he was 10, Keith got his first taste of blackmail, a girl... A girl in his class told him a secret about her sister, and he threatened to tell her family. He said, quote, you know, it's like I have this little bottle of poison I can hold over your head. I just don't think your parents or your sister would be very happy if I told them. That, mm. that was at a very, very young age that he was saying things like this already. He's like a young Jeffree Star. <laughs> well, he made harassing phone calls to her house, repeating little bottles, little bottles over and over. That's so creepy. So he he was a fuck from the very beginning. Like, yeah. He was already doing this. Keith claims he spoke in full sentences when he was one years old. What do you think about that? Is that even possible? I don't know, because I've heard a couple people claim that. I mean, I'm not a child development expert. It sounds like a stretch to me, but there's like other people who claim they started walking and talking and doing things at really young ages. So I don't know. And keyword claim here. Yeah. And I mean, he's a fucking liar, so it's probably not true. Right. He also said he taught himself high school math in 19 hours when he was 12. Okay. Yeah. That's what does that even mean? High school. Define high school math. Just like all of it. Trigonometry, all, calc, everything. everything. That's, that's crazy. I mean, that, that's definitely a stretch. And then he said by 13, he had learned three years of college math and several computer languages. Also at the age of 12 years old, Keith Ranieri claimed that the seed of his future career was planted by the second foundation, which is a novel by acclaimed sci-fi writer, Isaac Asimov about mind control. What do you know? Mind control. He's already filling his head with that. He was also an admirer of 
Ayn Rand and her philosophy of objectivism, which is a concept deeply rooted in capitalism and self-interest. And as a young teenager, encouraged by his parents, Keith displayed traits of severe narcissism. Surprise. He also believed he was a genius who was superior to everyone he knew. And the flames of his ego were further fanned by a seemingly endless line of young girls. He professed his love to all of them, and in turn, they showered him with attention and affection. So from very young, from the very beginning, he was already figuring out how Mm -hmm. to mind control and manipulate women into doing whatever he wanted, it seems like. After graduating from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in Troy, New York in 1982, with majors in physics, math, and biology, he went to work in computer programming and consulting. And even before that, though, he was a salesman, I think, for like two years, which obviously he's a great salesman because mm-hmm. uh, he's able to mind control everybody. He's like such a charmer. Yeah. Well, and uh, what's interesting is I've seen some things that like he claims he like triple majored in college or whatever, and that that's not even true. Like there's <laughs> no way to verify that. Like just like with L. Ron Hubbard, yeah, right? He claimed he up. did all this shit too. And and that, that didn't turn out to be true. I wonder, it's interesting because like throughout the research that I saw, I didn't really see like if he ever made a connection with L. Ron Hubbard or Scientology at all or was inspired at all by He probably wouldn't want that. to be open about that connection because a lot of people accuse him of like stealing from Scientology, like repackaging all their ideas. Um, so obviously you want to be like, right. Yeah. Him. He's trying to create his own thing. So why would he yeah. lend any credit to that? Keith was even featured in the 1989 edition of the Guinness book of world records for his high IQ. And the determining factor was a score on the mega test and has been widely discredited of course, but he took that opportunity to start promoting himself as literally the smartest man in the world. And that's what he would tell people is that he was, had, you know, scored so high on the IQ test. He's this genius and, And I guess people believed him. And in his mid-20s, he carried on sexual relationships with multiple 15-year-old girls. One of these girls is speculated to have been his first sex slave. And she later died under suspicious circumstances. And her death was ruled a suicide. Mm -mm. Mm. At 15? Yep. Mm, I mean, possibly. By his 20s, he was already a a pedophile. Hmm. Cause his, I mean, his ego is just so fucking jacked up and he's just, he's in this mind state of, I am a God. I'm a mm-hmm. genius. I'm like, I'm untouchable. I'm smarter than everybody and I can do whatever I want. I mean, that's really the, I mm-hmm. think the kind of spirit he carried with him is he, nobody yeah, can touch me. Nobody absolutely. can control me. But most importantly, Keith spent most of his career studying the complexities of multi-level marketing and how to attain success in MLMs. After working for Amway, which was where he was a salesman, he founded two of his own companies. The first was called Consumers Byline Incorporated, or CBI. And Consumers Byline was like a group purchasing thing. So they would get discounts on like appliances or whatever else, and the whole group would get the discount. And you like have to join the group and pay a certain amount to be part of it. Um, and so this was an MLM An MLM is a multi-level marketing company, I believe. <laughs> and it's essentially, they don't like to call themselves pyramid schemes, but it's a pyramid scheme. The people at the top make the most, they recruit people underneath them to do sales and they get a percentage of their sales and the people at the bottom make little to nothing. And they're kind of just worker bees for the people at the top of the pyramid. So a lot of these um, are illegal. A lot of them end up getting busted. This one did as well. Yeah, it did. For being an actual pyramid scheme. Yeah. A lot of MLMs 
like to say that they're not a pyramid scheme and there's like ways they get around. Well, I think they're, if they figure out ways that they can offer something to yeah. on the ground level, then that kind of, you know, keeps them uh-huh. away from being classified as that. So yeah, they'll, they they'll figure out ways mm-hmm. like whether it's product or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it may be to get you started or, you know, a bonus. Normally you or pay for that stuff though to mm-hmm. get started and you have to pay a monthly fee just to so be how, private. Most people lose money on MLMs. Like so why are they all people. not, why are any of them legal then? Well, that's what a lot of people are critical of is they, sh- maybe they shouldn't be. Well, it could be like, okay, so you buy our starter pack, which is 200 bucks. And then if you can sell 300 bucks, then we'll give you a hundred dollar bonus mm-hmm. right away. But you have to sell this amount of product in X amount of time. Yeah. And you have to be constantly like pimping it out on your Instagram, your social media, knowing all your friends, contacting everyone, your contact list. I mean, it's not a fun thing. Um, but anyway, (laughs) so just, just for, you know, so it makes sense to people that don't understand what a pyramid scheme is. So a pyramid scheme is a scheme in the shape of a pyramid. (laughs) Where the people at the top make the most and the people yeah, at guess, the bottom isn't the least. Isn't the that world, is what it isn't is. Isn't the world basically a giant pyramid scheme? Yeah, the world is pretty much a giant it pyramid is. scheme. And I always bring it up, but go back to Egypt and look at their their uh, caste system, their pyramid, and people at the top are the biggest section of it. People, It's well, like a classic model. Yeah, and if, you know, the New World Order conspiracy or Illuminati mm-hmm. conspiracy, it's Shit's why right the on our you know, eye of Providence, the you know triangle... Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. the elites are at the top. We're at the bottom. Uh-huh. That's why we flip ours upside down as the mm-hmm. people are at the top. The elites are at the bottom. Boom. There you Boom. go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Keith's first MLM gets busted by the New York attorney general's office. They file charges against CBI claiming it's an illegal pyramid scheme because I, I think they're often investigated. And if they, uh, and a lot of times in these pyramid mm-hmm. schemes, there's illegal shit happening. Yeah. There's stealing of money yeah. and profits and it's not being fairly distributed mm-hmm. like it should be. And there's even some countries where pyramid schemes or MLMs are completely mm-hmm. illegal altogether. Mm-hmm. But here in the U S I guess you can have an MLM as long as it's fair or there's some type of, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, all it's, debatable. <laughs> it's debatable. Yeah. yeah. So, so Keith Ranieri's company is investigated by 19 additional states and it was shut down in in the early 1990s and from that point on he was prohibited from participating in mlms and was ordered to pay a forty thousand dollar fine but just a year later after all this keith re-enters the mlm game by founding national health network which was another pyramid scheme that got closed down in 1999 and it's so interesting that that's like his business practice of choice was the pyramid scheme he always wanted to be at the top. He wanted to have the control mm-hmm. and that's why he kept choosing these types of structures. I think that's what life was about for Keith. I don't think it was about money. I think it was about controlling people, being the boss, having people underneath you, people looking up to you. I mean, he's a narcissistic, yeah, that's crazy a, person. What narcissists want mm-hmm. is they want that mm-hmm. type of attention. So in the midst of closing down national health network, Keith collaborated with Nancy Salzman who's a nurse who practiced neurolinguistic programming and hypnotism. And in 1998, the pair of them created the executive success programs, which essentially was laying the foundation for Nexium. So the executive success programs were marketed as personal development seminars that could help participants find enlightenment and success. Ranieri didn't just promise to unlock clients greater potential. He claimed that his methods could abate symptoms of Tourette syndrome and even help kids speak up to 13 languages. Ridiculous. He made claims like this, like Mm -hmm. and medical claims. Mm -hmm. That's, that's definitely the craziest thing. Like 
what what's special about your thing here? Mm-hmm. He, he essentially is like a guru. He believes he's got not only is he a genius, but he also through his methods and his courses has developed a way for you to heal yourselves of these medical ailments, which become like a bold. higher being. Yeah, yeah, exactly. According to the pair, these executive success programs were promoted as some kind of technology that was rooted in rational thought. And this type of rhetoric helped legitimize Nexium's teachings. Now, Nancy Salzman exploited her medical background while Ranieri continued his claims that he was the smartest man in the world to tout executive success programs as a miracle cure for all of life's problems. But you got to be careful of anybody that's yeah, you know, claiming trying to sell you the can, world like that. Yes, I can make your entire yeah. world better. I mean, who doesn't want to experience like you spent, you know, especially if you're in a, a bad spot in life and yeah. you know, you want to experience a better state of reality, mm-hmm. you know, I can see how this would be enticing to want to, why not try it out? You know, yeah. like what, what what's and the worst that could happen? These types of groups do help people often like actual self-help groups and support groups and, you know, classes. And there's plenty of stuff like this out there that they kind of disguise themselves as another one of those. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, definitely a good front for criminal activity because you know to the world you're projecting that oh we're the self-help make yourself Mm -hmm. a better person company transforming lives transforming lives meanwhile behind the scenes we're destroying lives Mm -hmm. like and that's often how it goes with these scientology too Mm -hmm. exactly and what's his face at the people's temple jim jones jim jones jim jones Uh very similar yeah these all these types of people are like the same strain of human you know Mm mm-hmm like even Chad Daybell falls into the category with mm-hmm. these fucks. Like they're just so controlling and they have this evil streak in them, but then they're all kind of, most of them are kind of smart. Yeah. It's weird. It's yeah. very odd personality. Well, I, I think, you know, with power and, you know, you realize that you are, you know, intelligently higher than another person, you know, you could take that one of two ways. You could either, use that to help the other people and bring them up to your level, or you could use it against them and, you know, call it an evil streak or call it just human nature. You know, like we're all faced with these decisions on a daily basis where you can take the high road or you can take Mm -hmm. the low road. And so Keith, he just decided to take the low road (laughs) in order to maintain control Mm -hmm. and continue growing his power. Because if you give that up, you're, you're always, you know, and always take the high road, you're never going to rise up in that power structure, that pyramid structure. You're never going to rise to the top. You have to be like that to get to the top of the pyramid. So when Keith and Nancy discovered that these executive success programs were a success, that's when things really took off for them. And that's really when Nexium got started. What's interesting though about Nexium is that the people that were considered followers of Keith and of Nancy would have to refer to them by a specific name. So for Keith, it would have actually Vanguard. And he actually took that name from an arcade game in which the game, a player increases their power by destroying their enemies. And as his first disciple, Nancy Salzman was called prefect. So just like we were talking about earlier, the way that he promoted Nexium to tenants was that it was this profound philosophical movement and it was led by a class system. And members of varying ranks wore different colored sashes to differentiate their levels of authority. And the mission was based on eliminating all envy-based habits while ethically gaining control 
over the world's resources and wealth. And during classes, workshops, and seminars, members were indoctrinated. They learned the mission and the philosophies of Nexium and praised its leaders. And they pay thousands and thousands of dollars to attend these classes. And some of these programs lasted for 16 days straight with 12-hour classes held each day. This reminds me a lot of Scientology. Got to pay a lot of money for these courses and trainings and tests mm-hmm. and whatnot. And they're long and grueling, uh, you know, day after day, long days. But membership in Nexium was exclusive and by invitation only. Before joining, prospective members were required to fill out a lengthy questionnaires. These intake forms asked probing questions about family relationships, religious beliefs, personal insecurities, wealth, and assets. Hmm, I wonder why they're asking about insecurities mm-hmm. and family relationships. Blackmail. Yep, trying to, to gather any sort of blackmail on, on these possible members. Which I think they do in Scientology as well. And that's why a lot of them are not, are not able to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you end up, you know, in their auditing sessions in Scientology, you end up telling them, Tons of Your stuff deepest, darkest it. secrets. Yeah. I mean, you're telling them. Even if they, like, sometimes they would force people to make stuff up because they'd be like, eh, there's more that you're not telling us. Come on, what do you got? What do you got? And then people would be pressured and they would just make something up. Right. And then that's held against them as right. blackmail. Right. Very scary. It's all so the cult can have power. Yeah, exactly. So on Nexium, the recruiters would use these questionnaires to pick out vulnerable people who could be more easily exploited and eliminate those who were too strong-willed or independent to be manipulated. Exactly. Like filtering them out. Yeah. They wanted the weak minded that they could break down mm-hmm. and then in, you know, program Control. the way that they wanted them to be. So classes and programs that were offered by Nexium were based on false scientific claims and mostly useless self-help jargon, but they served their purpose in luring in the weak and vulnerable. And once enrolled, a subtle process of brainwashing and hypnosis began to unfold Former participants have described what it is like to feel transformed by Nexium's teachings. They explain how the lessons are designed to make you doubt everyone and everything, even your own thoughts, and to trust no one and nothing except for Nexium and its leaders. That's like classic mm-hmm. cult philosophy mm-hmm. right there. Like, forget everything you've ever been told. We're your world now. Right. And remember, out there, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad for you. And they don't want to see you succeed and they don't want right. to see you happy. Tell you they all this stuff. Lie to you about us. And, mm-hmm. Here though, we'll give you the answers mm-hmm. to make your life better. So the Nexium class has promoted a kind of emotional dependence through a vicious cycle of insults and praise. Participants would be torn down and berated, stripping them of all self-confidence. Then when they couldn't take it anymore, They'd be showered in compliments and praise. And the result was a deep-rooted craving for emotional high of accolades, which came only after sadistic emotional abuse. Which, again, all classic examples of cult philosophy. And once you were locked in the tight grip of the cult, people found themselves sinking deeper and deeper. And Nexium promised participants an effective wealth-building system. If they continued to purchase classes and recruit others... They would be rewarded with a stable and generous income. Boom. But that never happened. The system was manipulated and so very few people made any money at all. In fact, lots of people lost mass amounts of money paying thousands of dollars for essentially nothing. And at that point, after going through the trainings and everything, they have all this dirt on you that 
And, and they've managed probably to brainwash you to some extent that it's extremely hard to pull out of that. I think so many people are like, why wouldn't you just leave? Like, why wouldn't you just, you know, I'm out. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it's this. not that simple. It's like mm-hmm. an abusive relationship. Really? Absolutely. Like you can't leave. You're scared to leave. If mm-hmm. you leave, terrible things are going to happen to you. Like, you better not leave. Yeah. And I think you end up feeling like you can't, mm-hmm. like you have no other option, yeah. especially when these people have all this dirt on you. A lot of people were saying that they got them to like talk shit about their families and they knew that you know, if they left that all this could be leaked to their family, like all this terrible stuff. And they then they have no one. Yeah. They wouldn't have a, they wouldn't exactly. have an axiom. They wouldn't have their family. Exactly. So they put people in that victim position where they, they literally can't leave. And I think that's hard for us to understand, especially when you're not brainwashed and you, mm-hmm. maybe you haven't been in, in a relationship like that and you don't understand. I mean, it can be hard to think like, why, why wouldn't you just leave? Mm-hmm. If they're yelling at you, if they're berating you, if they're calling you names, why don't you just leave? And obviously some people do, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people that don't. And they, I mean, it's, it's all these strategies that they have. Like we just explained, they know how to rope people in and make them feel like they truly have no other choice. Mm-hmm. Right. It really is like master manipulation. It is. Well, yeah. And when you have somebody like Keith, who is, I mean, the guy looks like tried to make himself look like Jesus mm-hmm. yeah. and act like Jesus. Like he's uh-huh. this, you know, yeah enlightened individual and you know he really has the answers and and people believe that like you Mm -hmm. believe that about him and if you don't know that it's all bullshit then who are you to distrust somebody like that or lose faith in somebody like that especially this is someone who has has met with the dalai lama yeah Mm -hmm. keith rainier has pictures with him rainier whatever um and you gotta wonder like did he like what did the dalai lama see in him did he see anything in him like is he, is he really as special as he claims to be? And I think a lot of people were like, wow, he really, he really must be. And I think it is, you know, a certain type of person that has that void in their heart that needs like fulfillment in some type of way, or they've been broken in the past or they've been abused in the past. And they're just looking for anyone to kind of guide them. And if you're in that, that place where you're already looking for that, it's easier for someone to come in and fill that, you know? Yeah, at that point, it's like, what do you have to lose? Right. A lot of people, I think, feel like, well, my outside life isn't great for whatever reasons. Yeah. Some of them, ones that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And therefore, what do I have to lose by joining this? Right. And look at all the people that are in it. They mm-hmm. all seem happy. They have little engagements and they, they say they've made a ton of friends and changed their life. And it's just like an MLM. People go and recruit other members by being like, it's so great. And that's yeah. what MLM people do is they're like, oh, my job is so great. I get to work from home. I get to take time off whenever yeah. I want. I get this, I get that, I get that. And they sell you this life, but they don't tell you all of the other details that come with being right, part of it, right. all the, the hardships and struggles. Or even like behind the scenes of the hirings, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you have to trust what they're saying is true. Yeah. And you are not allowed to know, you know, what the upper echelons of this organization are up to, what they're doing, what their background mm-hmm. is, what they're, you know, all you, all you get to know is what they're telling you. Right. And and that alone is very dangerous. And to the point of like why it was so appealing for people to join, it was not only was it, you know, we'll help you with your relationships, but also your careers. For example, a former member named Sally Brink, who was sent to Nexium by a friend, signed up for a class that claimed it could help her grow and succeed as an entrepreneur. And at first, Sally Brink believed the lessons really did help. However, as she descended deeper into the trenches, the emotional abuse became more and more apparent because when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, 
Nexium leaders accused her of purposely getting cancer as a ploy to get more attention from her husband, what? which is like, what? Why would anybody do that? Like, no. that doesn't make any sense at all. But when she raised money for her treatment online, the leaders tried to convince her that the moral choice was to die rather than waste the money to treat her illness. That's just like, fuck. Like, I don't even know. Like, that's just horrible to, that's emotional abuse right there. That's straight up what that is. And this type of emotional abuse was a common occurrence in Nexium. Like, there's so many members that had this similar type of experience like this where, you know, something happens or at first they thought they were going to get help for something and then it just, it ends, you know, for the worse. So over the years that Nexium has been around, there's been countless personal stories and accounts that have emerged from the 16,000 people who have taken Nexium classes, seminars, and workshops, and increasingly bizarre details continue to surface and nothing seemed to be off limits to exploit. For example, the cult twisted the transcendent philosophical belief in reincarnation into something hateful. Leaders believe they were the reincarnations of notorious Nazis, including the infamous architect of the Holocaust, Reinhard Heydrich. And in reverence to their beloved leaders, members participate in a week-long celebration to honor Keith Ranieri's birthday. The event is called Vanguard Week, or V-Week, after his chosen nickname. This is probably one of the most disturbing things that they did in Nexium, and that was when so-called doctors performed fright studies on members, which were really yeah. illegal medical experiments on members of Nexium. And they sound really upsetting. So basically what they would do is they would say, all right, we need you to, you know, who wants to participate in a fright study? And people would be like, okay, like it can't be that bad. Like I'll do it. You know, they want to show loyalty to the cult. They want to, you know, move up higher in the ranks. So people would sign up for these fright studies that they would do. Now what they would actually do is insane. They would take you, sit you down and hook you up to an EEG machine, which monitors brain waves. Mm -hmm. And then they would force you to watch horrific scenes of violence and murder. We watched an episode of cults and extreme belief um, by a and E on this case. And one of the women who went through this talked about her experience with it. And she said she went in just thinking it was like a, a typical research experiment. Like maybe they would show her some pictures, but they didn't, she didn't think it would be that bad. But she sits down and they start showing her a video of four women being decapitated by four men. And it's just, I could tell just by looking at, yeah, it was a, yeah, they showed like cartel. the intro couple seconds and it, I, oh my gosh, I've seen videos like that in the past and it's so fucking horrific. I mean, that shit just stays with you. If you've seen anything horrific like that online, then you know sure. what I mean? It just always stays in your mind. Yeah. I mean, you can get PTSD from that. I mean, that yeah, can I'm really sure affect can. somebody to the point where, you know, that plays over and over in their head and you know, that's, yeah, I mean, if you've never seen anything like that, I mean, oh. not that anybody's meant to see something as horrific as as decapitation, but I can't even imagine, you know. Yeah, and being forced to sit down and watch it on TV while people are monitoring you, like, what the hell? That's got to make That's it so feel more scary. Mm -hmm. It's just so weird. I mean, and what's the point? Why? They just wanted to torture people. They just wanted to see people scared. Yeah. Keith Ranieri was obsessed with that video. <laughs> He had talked about that video several times. He had seen it from another friend within the group. And he went into this whole weird thing about how 
He was wondering what each person's perspective was, what it was like for each of the women to be killed, what it was like for the little boy who couldn't like fully do it. And he's just weird. He's obsessed with stuff like this. And it's just one example of his twisted dark mind. And he wanted people to sit there and have to watch that. Yeah. It shows how sick he is. Yeah, exactly. And and this whole idea that, you know, somehow this can be, you know, a healing thing is just, is just absolutely crazy. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, he claimed that he could cure brain disorders like obsessive compulsive disorder, Tourette syndrome. And this was the reason why he would perform these experiments on people is mm-hmm. that this would somehow fix it. And to test the loyalty of Nexium members, leaders demanded they follow strange and random commands. Members were asked to hurt themselves by doing things like running headfirst into a tree. They were even subjected to humiliation by being forced to do even stranger things like lick a mud puddle. Ew. I mean, it, to me, this just all sounds like ways to break somebody down. Yeah. Like, you and know, just control them. them. Yeah. Like you got to like do hazing. This. Yeah, it is a sports group or a fraternity sorority situation. Yeah, obviously way worse than that. But mm-hmm. but in a way, but yeah, that's what I it's mean, done some for. fraternities do do crazy shit mm-hmm. like that. So to make you feel like you're controlled. Right. Well, it's how they get you in the group, you know, to be like mm-hmm. one of Prove the members. Yourself. You got to do some shit. Yeah, it's not easy getting into our group. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't easy. <laughs> like a <laughs> like a puddle of mud. <laughs> <What the hell? laughs> but over time. The teachings and philosophies in Nexium became more extreme and misogynistic, laying the groundwork for DOS, which stands for dominant over submissive, which ends up being the secret sex cult that's running within Nexium. Members were taught that men had more primitive impulses and had a biological need to have multiple sexual partners and to have as many children as possible. Therefore, men were polygamous. On the other hand, women were nurturers who desired to be with one mate and to care for him and her children. So women were expected to be monogamous. These are the most stupid stereotypes and generalizations of people I've ever seen. Like, yeah, most men, a lot of men, I mean, how can you even generalize people? Like, it's so ridiculous. Not every single woman is in a committed relationship and only wants to be with one person. And not all men want to have multiple partners. I mean, they're just mass generalizations. Maybe, maybe a majority of men, maybe. But I mean, first of all, this is such like textbook stuff. Why is he even acting like this is some revolutionary thing he figured out that men tend to be more polygamous and women tend to be more monogamous? Like, yeah. Not even that. Like, whatever. No, there's nothing groundbreaking about no, it. No, and it's not I mean, all people either. No. <laughs> it's just stupid. It doesn't mean anything. Right. Women were also taught that it was their duty to have children and to care for those children. And according to Keith's teaching, the logical result is that women will leave the workforce and therefore don't actually deserve <laughs> to be paid as much as men for equal work. Oh, it's the cringiest shit. It's just sexist. Right? Right? How absurd. <laughs> and can you imagine being a woman and joining this and being like, yeah, that sounds about right. Where do I sign? Well, like what? <laughs> Trash. I mean, it, it's hard. I, I hate to judge people that are in these these cults. It's really hard. But at the same time, I'm just like, well, how can you how can you like want to be part of this? How well, can you agree I, with this and say this is what my philosophy is? I mean, what? A lot. I, I'm actually. I think a lot of people agree with that philosophy. That I, I think there's a lot of people out there still that aren't even in cults that believe that 
that's like a women, like, you know, that's, it's a huge thing that's evolved over time. But I think if you went back 50, 60 years ago, yeah, those are old fashioned beliefs, It's old fashioned values. And that's what I'm saying. It's nothing new that people believe that. Right. Right. So it, it's obviously more convenient for him because as we'll find out, like being a, you know, having multiple partners is what he's all about. So that just, I think that's really what it is, is he, he wants an excuse. He put that in there because then it allows him the ability to say, look, yeah, uh, you know, I'm allowed to have multiple yeah, women. I'm allowed but you, to, you right. get just me. Right. And that's how that's going to be. <laughs> right. Like what the fuck? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's bizarre. In later years, his teachings morphed into a hierarchy system based on men having higher moral character than women and women being flaky and erratic and in need of guidance and validation by men, which just, it, I think in a lot of cases, it's the other way around. Yeah. I feel like men are flaky and erratic and need guidance and validation <laughs> by women. Honestly, <laughs> I think our world would be in a better place if it was flip flopped because yeah. I feel like so many men are out there like, oh, I don't need that. I'm free. and proud. <laughs> But in, in reality is that that's what they need. They, they you know, men are wild to some extent. And mm -hmm. like, you need that ability. Like women don't need that as much. Like in the, mm -hmm. to just say that that's such only a women thing is just yeah. so stupid because it could be applied to either side. Yeah. And I just think it's stupid in general to make these huge generalizations of people that all men are like this and all women are like this. Like, no, it's not. We see clearly everyone comes so differently in different lifestyles and has nothing to do with your you know, your gender at the end of the day, really, no. I think. No, I mean. Maybe we, we think it should be because that's what society's told us, but. Well, there's a lot of people that are is. like nature, 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 you know, look mm -hmm. at our nature and they go back to. Yeah, that to an extent, thing. that's an argument, but like I said, that's not all of it. No. And in Keith's case, what's crazy and twisted about all of this is that he took all of these misogynistic concepts, mm -hmm. wrapped them up and packaged them into ideas of female empowerment and feminism. Yeah. He basically told them like, you're a bunch of weak minded women and you need my help to right. get your mind straight and really be successful yeah. in this life. Cause if not, you're just like floating around as a little poor woman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he knew how to manipulate language and like, we'll play a clip here in a minute, but like, it's so obvious that, He's just full of shit. Like mm -hmm. he says so many things so that make no shit. sense that have like those words in it that are like, Oh, okay. That, that sounds like a good word or that has like some deep meaning to it. But in reality, he's like contradicting himself all the time. And he's, you know, saying again, like misogynistic things. And then on the other end, he's been like female empowerment. Yeah. Women need to, you know, be more powerful and stand up and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, which one is it, Keith? And it's just the, it's the way that he controls, you know, he controlled the women that were a part of Nexium. One of his strategies was his insistence to always have women in leadership positions at Nexium. He told people he believed women made better leaders. In reality, he likely thought women would be easier to control than men and that women in positions of power could more easily recruit other women, which that's, that's obviously it at the end of the day is that he's going to have more success with getting more women into Nexium if they're recruited by other women as opposed to men. Can you imagine if like men were running around like, Hey, want to join this uh, group? <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll make you more powerful. Like, no, like most women be like, fuck off, dude. Like, why would I want, I, I don't trust you. Yeah, like, there's way always, less trustworthy, you know, but if it's a woman, then you kind of like, is it true that like women kind of have like a connection with each other? Like you kind of have a, yeah. Well, sense. I think society in general is like, 
made it so that men are seen as more dangerous and less trustworthy. Like you were saying Mm -hmm. versus a woman is like almost, well, I'm a woman, you're a woman. Mm -hmm. We both to some degree understand what discrimination is like as a woman. Therefore you're probably more trustworthy because, because you're a woman, you're not going to screw over another fellow woman who is, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unfortunately we do have it harder in a lot of ways because we are women. So why would another female try and do this to me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And especially because it's self-help. I think a lot of women think, you know, look at her life and she's been bettered and maybe it could help me. And yeah, it's just, we don't trust men as much, Um, especially because we hear stories all the time of human trafficking and it's normally men at the top or, you know, murders or whatever, just a lot of violence in general is most of the time it's men that do it. So I think statistically you just look at the facts and that's the facts. So obviously women commit crimes as well, but to the average person, I think you're less likely to think someone is trying to harm you or trick you if it's a woman. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. And I think statistics show that that's true. Mm -hmm. And that was what Maxwell's job was for Epstein. That's why, yeah. yeah, And that's what we'll find out Allison Mack gets brought in to do. Mm -hmm. So before we start talking about some of the celebrities that were involved with Nexium, as well as some of the darker aspects of this cult, I wanted to play a little clip of a YouTube video that's out there of Keith Raniere and Allison Mack, the Smallville actress talking and just having a conversation. And and Keith is talking about what is the authentic human. And we'll just, it's like 14 minutes long, but we'll just play like a minute or two of it because it it at least gives you some idea of what he sounded like, what he, what Mm. he was like to listen to in these seminars and things like that. When he talked about these things. So Mm -hmm. we'll play that. You know, authenticity and creativity are an interesting match. We don't like to think of ourselves as, as robots. Mm-hmm. And if you are coming off as robotic, most people say that's somehow inauthentic. There has to be an inauthenticity to that mm-hmm. because we're not robots. So what does it mean to be authentic? When someone's authentic, you feel them. You have this, this feeling of a soul there. Right not a robot, not some pre-programmed, contrived face or something along those lines. It just seems to come naturally from their experience of existing on this planet, from the time they are conceived and they become a, a child and grow and all of this thing, they gather this unique impression of existence and authenticity somehow is a, a manifestation of all of that. <clears throat> and it also relates to wisdom. I, you know, I always say wisdom is taking your life experience and being able to apply it in a decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, a global way of, of acting as opposed to a narrow way where, oh, I feel like doing this. I'm not thinking of anything that ever happened to me. No lessons have ever been learned. And I'm just going to go and do this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise, authenticity has no additional layers of artifice, no trying to be something that you think you should be. It's just a pure state of being. Mm -hmm. So one would say authenticity is being as you are and expressing as you are, at least to some degree. So based on that clip, you can kind of see how Keith comes across to people and how he kind of has this way of speaking that I guess if you listen to him for long enough that you might start thinking, okay, he, 
he knows some shit, but at the same time, I'm like, it just sounds like a bunch of fucking mumbo jumbo that he's, you know, rolling together. But let's go ahead and get into some of the celebrities that are involved with this and some of the other uh, dark aspects and dark things that took place in the Nexium cult. But before we do, we want to thank our last sponsors for today. So during the first five years that Nexium was around, it grew exponentially. The organization amassed over 3,700 regular participants, including notable executives, entrepreneurs, socialites, and actors. Of particular note were Mexico's president's daughter, Anna Christina Fox, as well as Claire and Sarah Bronfman, who are heiresses to the Seagram Liquor Fortune. Now, I wanted to briefly just talk about the Bronfman family for a second because the Bronfman family ended up being one of the biggest financiers of Nexium and is still in control of Nexium today. Some people have compared the Bronf family as, you know, North America's Rothschild family. Like they've got significant wealth that goes back generations and generations. They're a Canadian American Jewish family. And it owes its initial fame to Samuel Bronfman back in 1889, who made a fortune in the alcoholic distilled beverage business during American prohibition. And that was the Seagram family. Now what's interesting is that Claire and Sarah's father, Edgar Bronfman senior knew about what was going on in Nexium. And he was deeply concerned about what things were going on and what he had heard And he wanted to know like what his girls were up to because he was worried about them. Now this is kind of jumping ahead to court documents, but I think it's important to understand this right now is that later on court documents would reveal the massive gutting by the Bronfman daughters of their family trust funds to help finance Nexium and the alleged investment schemes of its leader, Keith Ranieri. The amount reportedly a hundred million dollars was what was released. But according to legal filings and public documents, in the last six years, as much as $150 million were taken out of the Bronfman's trusts and bank accounts, including $66 million allegedly used to cover Keith's failed bets in the commodities market. That's fucking crazy. They literally gave him $65 million that he fucking lost, just straight up lost playing the commodities market as well as 30 million to buy real estate in Los Angeles and around Albany, 11 million for a 22 seat two engine jet and millions more to support a barrage of lawsuits across the country against Nexium's enemies. So literally the Bronfman family, I mean, Nexium really couldn't have been what it ended up being without the support. And what's interesting is a lot of people put a lot, you know, the Edgar senior, the father says, you know, he knew about it, but how much did he really know? So the fact that they were siphoning so much money from him Mm -hmm. and from the family fortune into this is, is very concerning. And you know, the fact that Claire Bronfman is now in control of it to this day, now that he's out of it, but we'll talk about that more in a sec. But this was interesting uh, to me is that Claire is quoted as saying that when talking about, you know, Keith hedging his bets in the commodities market and all of that, he said, She's, she said, unfortunately, my father, Edgar Bronfman senior, he wanted to thwart Keith's investments. So he manipulated the entire commodities market in tandem with the Illuminati. And that was a quote unquote statement that Claire Bronfman made about her father, which is interesting because that's where people think that, 
you know, the Bronfman, along with these other elite families that we've talked about before are involved in, you know, the new world order conspiracy and the Illuminati Mm -hmm. and all that. And literally we have a statement where she says exactly that, that her father's working with them. Damn. I just thought that was really interesting. Another interesting thing to know about Claire Bronfman and the Bronfman family was that they are involved in, you know, supporting political figures, including making a large contribution to the Clinton campaign mm-hmm. and Claire's brother, Stephen also is the biggest contributor to the Canadian prime minister, Justin Trudeau's campaign. So, you know, a lot of people go wild with the conspiracies with those two and, you know, the histories and all of that. But I think it's interesting to note that the Bronfmans are yeah. tied in with the Clintons, especially, mm-hmm. you know, tied into Nexium and all this. Yeah. I mean, so. it's like taking mm-hmm. contributions from, from everybody, man. Mm-hmm. And yeah, from shady people. But eventually Nexium caught the attention of Rick Allen Ross, a cult investigator. And in, and in the early two thousands, he obtained copies of Nexium's manual. Participating members were required to sign non-disclosure agreements when excerpts from the manual were published on Ross's website, along with a professional assessment from a psychiatrist who labeled it quote unquote expensive brainwashing Nexium responded by suing the Ross Institute and the member who leaked the manual for copyright infringement. So there you go. Silencing people that are, you know, leaking any sort of information or truth from their organization. And they were all under the impression that the outlet was writing a positive story on how Nexium helped people. While the cases were eventually dismissed, they sent a powerful message of swift retaliation to anyone who defied Nexium. And that's like one of the biggest things with them and where they draw similarities with Scientology is that they will sue your ass. If you try to try to expose them or try to leak things, like they will come after you however they can legally. In 2003, Keith Ranieri and other high-ranking people at Nexium were invited to participate in interviews with Forbes, and they were all under the impression that the outlet was writing a positive story on how Nexium helped people. But instead, Forbes published a scathing story featuring allegations that Nexium was a cult and evidence to back them up. And the article featured comments from Edgar Bronfman. His daughters, Claire and Sarah Bronfman, were early supporters of the organization. They had deeper pockets than most to support Nexium's endless legal battles. Edgar told Forbes that he believed his daughters had been manipulated into giving a substantial amount of their fortune to a cult. And in later years, it came to light that the sisters had, quote unquote, loaned Nexium $2 million. But instead of a cash reimbursement with interest, the loan was repaid through private phone calls and fitness sessions whatever the fuck that means. And obviously it was way more than $2 million. Nexium leaders fiercely defended their reputation by taking legal action against anyone who criticized them and against former members who spoke out about their experiences. The cult used its expansive wealth and the wealth of supporters like Claire and Sarah Bronfman to file lawsuits against anyone who left Nexium. For good measure, leaders even gave false statements to law enforcement officials to encourage bogus criminal investigations against defectors. Nexium members called the defection of former members, quote unquote, the fall and labeled them Luciferians, lost people for whom bad feels good and good feels bad. And by 2014, Keith Ranieri upped his game in his defense of Nexium. He founded a fake news website called the knife of Aristotle to spread propaganda. Members rarely saw adverse media reports about their leader or Nexium because Keith slandered any news that couldn't come from the knife of Aristotle. 
He told members that watching or reading other sources and news was traitorous. The tentacles of Nexium reached beyond a single organization. Various societies for women and men associated with Nexium were developed to identify new recruits, and even an international chain of child care centers called the Rainbow Cultural Garden was established in 2006. And these fucking Rainbow Cultural Gardens are still operating today in really? France, Guatemala, and the United Kingdom. Oh my gosh. And this program claims that it can teach children as young as two years old up to seven languages simultaneously. <laughs> That's got to be so confusing as a two-year-old. What the hell? Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. But in reality, according to cult expert Rick Allen Ross, he said that it has nothing to do with teaching languages to children. It's about indoctrinating children to be like Keith Raniere. He was the prototype and he was always interested in cloning himself and perpetuating his ideas. So it's literally a way to keep his legacy going. Like yeah. it is what these child care centers are. And I mean, who fucking knows? There could be even more evil shit going on there than we even know. But yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. So this is right around the time when Smallville actresses, Kristen Crook and Allison Mack were recruited in 2010. Kristen left the group in 2013, but Allison became a confirmed recruiter and became a significant player in obviously the darker shit that surrounds Nexium. Significant. Yes. She quickly rose the ranks to second in command for her role as a high level recruiter, which I don't even want to know all the things she had to do to get to second in Seriously. command that quickly. An early defector and vocal critic of Nexium and Keith was a woman named Tony Natalie, and she helped shed light on many of the cult's dangerous practices. Natalie explained that Keith used her insecurities and vulnerabilities against her, looking her locking her in a vicious cycle of loyalty to her oppressor. After Keith paired up with Nancy Salzman, Natalie's relationship with him deteriorated. She described the partnership between Keith and Salzman like putting two volatile chemicals together in a mad scientist lab. The resulting compound was both explosive and dangerous. Keith and Nancy worked together to make Natalie's life miserable. They accused her of stealing money and filed lawsuits against her. They took her mail and even hacked into her hard drives looking for blackmail materials. And this is just a small taste of the heinous crimes to come. So that leads us to DOS or Dominus Obsequinus Sororium, which is a Latin phrase translated to master over slave women. Wow. Just be upfront about it. Yeah, seriously. So DOS was first revealed by the New York times in 2017, thanks to a person, an ex employee of Nexium that actually broke the story. And we'll talk about him more later, but this was the first time that the world really got a look into what was actually happening inside of Nexium and that Nexium consisted of a hierarchy of female slaves and male masters, which obviously the male master was Keith Ranieri. Basically, this was a sick and twisted secret sisterhood that was rooted in the misogynistic teachings of Nexium. And what they did was they would subtly implant ideas that, you know, women are subservient to men and women that joined were groomed and manipulated into engaging in to sex acts with Keith Ranieri. And through her work as a recruiter for Nexium, Allison Mack targeted women who could later be brought into DOS and she was paid to do so. 
And building on Keith's teachings, Allison convinced desperate, vulnerable women that the secret sorority was somewhere that women could feel empowered and gain confidence. Allison was an integral part of the early practices of the secret sisterhood, and she engineered a branding process that was part of the initiation. And the women were branded with this symbol that when you flip it to the side is a KR, and then when you look at it just straight on is Mm -hmm. an AM. So literally their initials. How fucked up is that? And they branded them with that without even telling them what it is. Yeah. Imagine being branded with something and you have no idea even. Well, and they lied to at first. They were like, it's a tattoo. Yeah. They said it was a tattoo and that it was like some type of geometric or like some, some type of symbol. Yeah. They'd like work you into it. They'd manipulate you and work you into it. Uh, It was so scary. And they talked a lot about this. Um, There is a 2020 that came out with an interview on one of the women that were in it. And it's, and that A and E um, special I mentioned earlier and just, hearing their experience of what it was like to be branded. Yeah. Strip naked, terrible, blindfolded yeah, and then held down on a table by your other sisters. Yeah. And they forced you to spread your legs, put your arms up over your head and your wrists were bound and your feet were secured. And then while being videotaped, they would start the branding process and they would literally, you know, a lot of people think that branding is like they have a stamp, like a right. hot stamp and you just stick it like on Like for there. animals. Right. Because that's what they do for animals, right? I believe. Yeah. A lot of the times it's something like that because you got to do it quickly. Yeah. So that's fast. Uh, yeah, faster to do that. this is a 40-minute thing with a... Yeah. With a uh, cottering iron mm-hmm. or whatever it's mm-hmm. called. Yeah. And they basically hold this down your skin and Ugh. very slowly pull it over I your skin as it just imagine. burns the flesh. Oh, that's so scary. And opens up a gaping. And this wound. is something that you you're gonna have on your body forever. Like you can never get you it can't removed. Really cover and, this up no. either with the tattoo. Even and it's like, his fucking name. Can you imagine just, as a victim? Yeah. Oh, how sick! That makes me so. Yeah, mad. and they were like, "This is an honor to have this mm-hmm. on you." This you know? symbol. It's bonding Should be us all. Proud, you know. They use it as a, as a way to you know build you up. Like you get through this, and and some of the women they did this at Allison Mack's house. Yep. Can you believe that? Yep. She was totally on board with all of this. Yeah. Well, and, and if you didn't, a lot of things that happened too was that if you refused or you mm-hmm. fell out of line, they would straight up yeah, beat you. you. Oh, yeah. They'd beat you physically. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And not well, only that, they would, if you came into this like a little overweight or a little more weight than Keith's yeah. liking, they would literally force you mm-hmm. into an extreme weight loss like diet, mm-hmm. like where you you were forced or you were beaten essentially. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's hard to imagine why you would want to stay. If you saw these people being branded, like why would you stay? Yeah. But I think a lot of them just felt like they really did have no other choice. They had all this blackmail. They've already collateral. invested all into it and they've spent a lot of time and yeah, they, they called it collateral it really in order to be initiated into this. You had to have some collateral. DOS. Yeah. You got to give us something. And that's what Allison would say is you got to give us some sort of blackmail material. So women would hand over. So women would hand over their nude pictures or videos of them masturbating. Sometimes they wrote false accusations of sexual abuse against loved ones. Mm-hmm. How fucked up is that? Yeah. Shit about their family. Seriously. Messed up. And if you didn't check in with your master, they face severe punishment. Part of these check-ins entailed texting graphic pictures of their unshaven genitalia with their face clearly visible. They were also subjected to drills where they had to respond to texts from their masters within 60 seconds, often in the middle of the night. Jesus. 
Allison Mack instructed the women to seduce Keith Ranieri, supposedly an act of empowerment. They were led to believe that Keith was a pawn being used by the women of Doss, utterly unaware that in reality they were his sex slaves. Yeah, fucking right. Mm-mm. He fucking knew this whole time. That's how he set it up. Yeah. And they were not allowed to engage in sexual activity with anyone else. And if they misbehaved, they were beaten with a fucking paddle. Not only that, Allison Mack and Keith Ranieri were planning an elaborate sex dungeon with cages and a variety of BDSM sex toys oh, in the fuck. basement of the main DOS building. Ew. But the plan was shut down when the federal investigations into Nexium started to ramp up. They were literally going to do it in like the company's fucking, they'd have like a sex dungeon in the fucking, <laughs> which again, this is like something that Ken and I talked about the other night was like, you know, it's one thing like whatever, if you're into a sex dungeon, BDSM and all that, whatever, that's fine. Right. But right. why do you need to also incorporate this control aspect to it? Like, yeah. why couldn't if this is purely a sexual thing for Keith? There's a lot of other ways mm-hmm. to go about having this. Like, there's if you want to have sex with a lot of women, women. orgies, all yeah. that, like, fine, go do that. Uh-huh. But why do you need to, you know, Force have slaves and mm-hmm. have fucking control over the whole concept of how he called people slaves and wanted people to refer to themselves as slaves is so weird. Right. And he had other recruiters make you know, women underneath them call them, uh, say that they were slaves as well. Yeah. It's just like, what? what? Right. And that's why this immediately goes into sex trafficking. Like this mm-hmm. is exactly what it is forced, forced sex. And, and I all think that. the women that were in it didn't think they were actually slaves. I mean, they told them this is more of like a, a yeah. name, like this is more of a, you know, master metaphor yeah type yeah of thing, right guru yeah. disciple that right. type of relationship mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like a spiritual term. you just call it slave but it doesn't actually mean you're my slave like we're good no but it's clearly it it means that yeah it absolutely did. now allison max and keith ranieri's scheme really started to crumble when a canadian actress named sarah edmondson went public with her harrowing experience with the secret sisterhood edmondson was recruited in 2005 and didn't leave the cult until 2017 and during that time, she rose to the ranks. She even started a Canadian section of Nexium and collected commission from the members who were recruited there. But once she was recruited into DOS, it all started to unravel and she began to see Nexium for the criminal organization it really was. She also provided many known details about the initiation process into DOS, where women were blindfolded, naked, and forced to be branded, obviously with a cauterizing pen. Sarah explained that the most sinister concepts of DOS were introduced in the early stages of Nexium membership, such as collateralizing money. This phrase basically meant paying a small fee if you missed a goal or skipped a planned task, like going to the gym. It was promoted as a motivator to keep people focused and driven. When the idea of collateral is then introduced as nude pictures and sexually explicit videos, the women are more likely to readily accept it as a regular practice. So they started out small, like, Mm. you know, if you don't, you know, go to the gym or work out today, you need to pay this or whatever. Yeah. And so Til that you're complete controlled, right? Yeah. It's just another method to yeah mm-hmm. take control of somebody. The basic principles of DOS were rooted in sadomasochism and kink culture. Keith Ranieri exploited these consensual sex acts and used them to control women. While the women believed they were giving consent, a valid consent was actually impossible because they had no idea what was happening under the surface. Mm-hmm. Keith propagated the idea that having sex with him was the closest a woman could get to an enlightenment. Wow. God. What kind of fucking, yeah, narcissist do you have to be? He sounds like uh, Charles Manson almost with that Seriously. One. No, he really does. He claimed that when a woman swallowed his semen, 
She saw a beautiful transcendent Ugh. blue light. <laughs> Fucking throw up. I can guarantee you that any woman who swallows small, small any semen is not seeing that. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not seeing a blue light. <laughs> he also forced women to participate in group oral sex sessions. If they refused, he criticized them and accused them of not being committed to their own personal and spiritual growth. What the fuck? What is, how do you even argue that? <laughs> I don't know. I guess when you're indoctrinated to that point, you're you're on board and Allison Mack was a crucial component in all this manipulation. In a sense, she was the muscle standing behind Keith and threatening the women with blackmail or financial yeah. ruin. If they didn't fall in line, she was like, she was like, freak she was his henchman. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. So on top of already having to do all of Keith's dirty work of manipulating, mm -hmm. threatening and brainwashing women, she was also one of his sex slaves too. What a fucking mm -hmm. like, bad gig that is like yeah on top of like having to do all this shit you're also forced to be his sex slave too so jesus nancy salzman's daughter lauren salzman also became a recruiter for dos and would demonstrate extreme loyalty to keith and because the recruiters did such a good job promoting dos as an unconventional and empowering feminist group run by women for women the sadistic section of nexium cult was literally hidden in plain sight what remains of the secret sisterhood is being run by actress nikki klein who married Allison Mack in 2017. Under her rule, women are still subjected to drills and are still physically punished if they fall out of line. How can it be possible that this can still run right now? Because they're, they're hiding it. They're, I mean, you know, they're hiding it under these different layers of, of things. And, We're just a sorority. Right. We're just a group of people. It's speculated that Keith Ranieri created DOS after the death of his longtime companion and accomplice, Pam Caffritz. For years, Keith was dependent on Pam to keep his personal relationships on solid ground. She became well known at the local Planned Parenthood because she was Keith's go-to person to accompany his girlfriends to the clinic to get abortions. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. So now let's talk about the downfall of Nexium, which I mean, Nexium's not really gone even now, but at least the downfall of Keith Ranieri. So after the branding went public in the New York Times story, that's when the Fed, that's when the FBI got involved and started doing an investigation into Nexium. And so it became very clear and very quickly that obviously there was a lot of shit that was illegal going on inside of Nexium. So in late 2017, Keith Ranieri and his closest confidants fled to Mexico. Keith and Lawrence Salzman were hiding out in a luxury villa outside Puerto Vallarta and planning an elaborate recommitment ceremony for members of DOS, which was basically code for group oral sex. But their plans were canceled when Mexican authorities arrived at their door in March of 2018. And Salzman and Keith retreated to the master bedroom and barricaded the door. And in true cowardly fashion, Keith tried to hide in, in a closet. I love that. At the end of the day, Keith is a fucking coward. He was arrested and then brought back to the United States for indictment and Allison Mack was arrested the following month and one by one high ranking members and leaders in Nexium were arrested and charged, including Nancy Salzman, Lauren Salzman, a bookkeeper named Kathy Russell and Claire Bronfman. Now, Nancy Salzman, the co-founder of Nexium was the first defendant to enter a guilty plea. She admitted to tracking suspected defectors and monitoring usernames and passwords of suspected moles in the group to ensure they weren't leaking details about what was going on inside and destroying video evidence that documented some of the bizarre teachings of Nexium. 
Lauren Salzman also pled guilty to one count of racketeering conspiracy, admitting to willfully participating in the enslavement of a woman in a locked room from March 2010 to April 2012. And the, the way that she kept her in this room was that she threatened to deport her to Mexico if she did not complete the requested labor. How fucked up is that? So fucked up. Allison Mack, the highest profile person involved in the case, pled guilty on April 8th to one count of racketeering conspiracy and one count of racketeering. And apparently she like took full responsibility for involvement in Nexium and DOS and even admitting to coercing women into giving her embarrassing information and photographs as collateral, which racketeering or a racket according to the current definition is an organized criminal activity or act in which the criminal is some form of substantial business or a way to earn illegal money, blah, blah, blah. So that's exactly what they were doing. I'm just surprised that they hit him with, with racketeering and not with sex trafficking and some of these other charges that Keith gets hit with. It's, it's kind of weird that they seemingly got very uh, minimal charges there. Now, Keith Ranieri's trial lasted seven weeks and at a Brooklyn courthouse on March 14th, he was facing charges for forced labor, wire fraud, conspiracy, human trafficking, sex trafficking, and child pornography charges. And according to prosecutors, he documented himself with a 15 year old girl who would later go on to become his first sex slave. The charge was a, the charge was actually thrown out, but they also accused Keith of having a sexual relationship with at least one other child and possessing child pornography between 2005 and 2018. Also per court papers, multiple people testified that he had a den in Nancy Salzman house in upstate New York, where he had sex with some of his slaves in an oddly arranged room. The bed was elevated and a hot tub was underneath the bed. What? That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, that's so weird. But on June 19, 2019, Keith Ranieri was found guilty on all counts and the list of federal crimes included sex trafficking of children and conspiracy to commit forced labor. But what's crazy is as of right now, Keith Ranieri is awaiting sentencing. Mm-hmm. All of them are awaiting sentencing. And it's been a really it's long time. It's been a really long time. Why? We're talking since last year. And no one knows why? Yeah, I, we don't really know why. I think he's delaying it. He's trying to get a new trial right now for whatever Ugh. reason. He's like he delaying he's the process. Yeah. Trash. yeah, he does. Typical narcissist. And I mean, like Allison Mack, she kind of like that. All the other women pled guilty to it. He he's the only one that took it to trial. And <laughs> of course, yeah, of course he does. He yeah. he doesn't think that, but but they're all waiting sentencing. Um, Allison Mack was actually released on a five million dollar bond, and she's currently under house arrest with her parents in California. But where is Nexium now? So Nexium is still around it's in full out war mode and has moved to Brooklyn and it's being run and financed still by Claire Bronfman Claire Bronfman after all that yeah and she admitted to harboring an undocumented individual and helping Keith use a deceased woman's credit card she pleaded guilty to conspiracy to conceal and harbor an illegal alien for financial gain but if this isn't white privilege I don't know what is because they are all out. Mm-hmm. Like she's out living her life, awaiting her sentencing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Allison Max awaiting her sentencing. Yeah, why? Meanwhile, why people so are getting long? locked up for 20 years for a little bit of weed. Mm, like yeah. it's fucking crazy the fuck? that this kind of shit is not taken more seriously. Now the person who was really responsible for whistleblowing on this whole thing was Frank Parlato, who was you know, he was actually the mm-hmm. publicist. He was kind of their guy that was hired to go out and destroy 
all of their defectors and enemies and, and ruin them. And he got paid accordingly. And he, basically he got fired and he was owed a million dollars or something. And yeah, uh, he took that and then Nexium accused him of stealing it, I think is what happened. So he just totally like turned on him, turned on him and completely mm-hmm. exposed them. And he was the one that revealed the branding uh, initiation mm-hmm. uh, and gave the story to the New York times and all of that. But what's interesting is that according to Frank, Nexium is still a 200 member cult headed up by Bronfman, Claire Bronfman. And apparently she is the enforcer, the brutal one. She's running the operation now and she's the most ruthless of all of them. Jeez. He went on to say that I'm issuing an absolute warning. Now Claire Bronfman is a true fanatic. And if there's a Jim Jones situation, everyone will commit Damn. suicide, but her. Wow. Damn. Claire, who's 38 now has moved to be near the federal lockup just east of South Brooklyn, where Ranieri is being held without bail. Wow. And so they're adi- still probably working together and everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's also some members of Nexium that are in Mexico now because Nexium was like all over the world. It mm-hmm. it got global at one point, but obviously after all this went down, a lot of people left. But there's still a lot of people that really still yeah. believe in Vanguard. They still believe in Keith, and mm-hmm. they are totally still drinking still the Kool Aid. Yeah. yeah, it's just crazy to think about how many women, all of these women. Uh, had recruited into it and how you know those women recruited other women and how it just got spread and a lot of them didn't realize they were bringing their friends and family into such a bad situation yeah literally into a sex slavery cult that's exactly what it is so terrifying and i mean stories like this just show you you gotta and this is again why you gotta stand up and look for your own information not just believe anything that anyone's telling you or some narrative because you'll end up falling for everything. Yeah. I mean, you just never know what their true intentions are behind people's words and and what they're saying to you. Like there could be something completely hidden from you. Mm -hmm. It could be a totally, you know, counterproductive thing they're telling you in order to draw you in, you know, like that's what they're doing. Yeah. So Keith is facing 15 at a minimum up to life in prison. He That's should get what fucking life. I bet you he's going to get oh, like a 20 year yeah. sentence or probably something. Probably get some bullshit. Yeah. He'll probably be out before he's. Who even knows when he's going to get sentenced? Yeah. I mean, it's been like over a year. I know. I know. It's very, it's very weird that it is. you would think for such a high profile case like this yeah. and a high profile individual like Keith Ranieri that they would hustle this along a little bit and get his ass sentenced. And yeah. it's, it's very weird how the justice system works for these rich elites. They are able yeah. to you know, draw things out for as long as they need to and come up with new ways to fight their case. And I don't think there's that much public pressure either. Like not many people know about this or are talking about this. I mean, obviously a lot of people have heard of it, but they don't know the latest of what's going on no. with Keith and the sentencing. No. Um, just because it hasn't been in the media that much. No, it was it like, doesn't get talked no, about. Not at all. When this is a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, when it first broke, I mean, I remember it was, on the news and stuff, but yeah, it's kind of just trickled off. I'm sure a lot of people kind of forgot about it or never had heard of it and yeah. no idea. And this is a dangerous individual. Yeah, absolutely. A dangerous who should individual. not, you know, should not be allowed to honestly leave, 
leave a cell because he's going to go do it again. Yeah, I was about to say, this is kind of like a slap on the wrist for this dude for how much damage he caused. Mm -hmm. If he's going to get out, what's to say he's not going to do some other bullshit? His shit's still running. Yeah, exactly. still going. It's not like it got shut down permanently. And he'll go right back to it if it's only 15 years. I mean, let's hope it's not 15 years. Damn, that would be such a slap in the face to victims. God, I mean, I'm hoping for life, but I am we'll too. see. We'll see. We'll see. And I mean, we don't know when that's going to be either. There's no, no there's no date. I haven't heard anything about sentences. that. Nope. It's so weird. Normally they do that shit pretty fast. I don't know. It's I very weird. Know. It's very weird. But you guys will have to let us know what you think about Keith Ranieri and Nexium, And you know, if there's anything out there, this is a huge, huge topic. So yeah. obviously we didn't get th- we can't everything. cover absolutely every little bit or every victim story because there's so, so much with this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's truly interesting and disturbing all at the same time, but definitely let us know your thoughts on this and you know, what, what do you think should happen to Keith? And do you think the others, Allison, do you think they're getting off too easy? Because honestly, I think they should be slapped with some of these other charges. Mm-hmm. I mean, they aided in sex trafficking. They aided in these yeah. other things and they're literally getting racketeering charges. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, what? That's so ridiculous. Like they're going to, they're probably going to walk free. Honestly, they'll probably get a fine or, you know, might serve a little jail time, but they're going to be, they're going to be fine. They're going to be back out living that's their so lives. Absurd. Meanwhile, there's permanent damage done to so many people some, out there. Some people are still trying to put their lives together and somehow recover from this. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess we'll have to just wait and see. But with that being said, that is it for us today. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the Mile Higher Podcast. If you did, be sure to give us a like on YouTube, subscribe, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, all the places. Go uh, check out our merch at milehigher.com. Yeah, and go check out Lights Out. If you want something else to listen to, yes. go check out my other show. Definitely. But that's it. Until next time, stay safe. And stay woke.